0: Chapter twenty six of the Tragic Muse This is a Librivox recording. All Librivox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit Librivox. org The Tragic Muse by Henry James Chapter twenty six It was success the member for Harsh felt that had made her finer, the full possession of her talent and the sense of the recognition of it there was an intimation in her presence if he had given his mind to it that for him too the same cause would produce the same effect that is would show him how being launched in the practice of an art makes strange and prompt revelations nick felt clumsy beside a person who manifestly now had such an extraordinary familiarity with the aesthetic point of view he remembered too the clumsiness that had been in his visitor something silly and shabby pert rather than proper and of quite another value than her actual smartness as london people would call it her well-appointedness and her evident command of more than one manner handsome as she had been the year before she had suggested sordid lodgings bread and butter heavy tragedy and tears and if then she was an ill-dressed girl with thick hair who wanted to be an actress she was already in these few weeks a performer who could even produce an impression of not performing she showed what a light hand she could have forbore to startle and looked as well for unprofessional life as julia which was only the perfection of her professional character this function came out much in her talk for there were many little bursts of confidence as well as many familiar pauses as she sat there and she was ready to tell nick the whole history of her debut the chance that had suddenly turned up and that she had caught with a fierce leap as it passed he missed some of the details in his attention to his own task and some of them he failed to understand attached as they were to the name of mr basil dashwood which he heard for the first time it was through mr dashwood's extraordinary exertions that a hearing a morning performance at a london theatre had been obtained for her that had been the great step for it had led to the putting on at night of the play at the same theatre in place of a wretched thing they were trying it was no use to keep on its feet and to her engagement for the principal part she had made a hit in it she couldn't pretend not to know that but she was already tired of it there were so many other things she wanted to do and when she thought it would probably run a month or two more she fell to cursing the odious conditions of artistic productions in such an age the play was a more or less idiotized version of a new french piece a thing that had taken in paris at a third-rate theatre and was now proving itself in london good enough for houses mainly made up of ten shilling stalls it was Dashwood who had said it would go if they could get the rights and a fellow to make some changes. He had discovered it at a nasty little place she had never been to over the Seine. They had got the rights, and the fellow who had made the changes was practically Dashwood himself. There was another man in London, Mr. Gushmore. Miriam didn't know if Nick had heard of him. Nick hadn't, who had done some of it it had been awfully chopped down to a mere bone with the meat all gone but that was what people in london seemed to like they were very innocent thousands of little dogs amusing themselves with a bone at any rate she had made something she had made a figure of the woman a dreadful stick with what dashwood had muddled her into and miriam added in the complacency of her young expansion oh give me fifty words at any time and the ghost of a situation and i'll set you up somebody besides i mustn't abuse poor yolanda she has saved us she said yolanda? our ridiculous play that's the name of the impossible woman she has put bread into our mouths and she is a loaf on the shelf for the future the rights are mine you're lucky to have them said nick a little vaguely troubled about his sitter's nose which was somehow jewish without the convex arch indeed i am he gave them to me wasn't it charming he gave them mr dashwood dear me no where should poor dashwood have got them he hasn't a penny in the world besides if he had got them he'd have kept them i mean your blessed cousin i see they're a present from peter like many other things, isn't he a dear? If it hadn't been for him, the shelf would have remained bare. He bought the play for this country and America, for four hundred pounds, and on the chance. Fancy! There was no rush for it, and how could he tell? And then he gracefully pressed it on me. So I've my little capital. Isn't he a duck? You've nice cousins." nick assented to the proposition only inserting an amendment to the effect that surely peter had nice cousins too and making as he went on with his work a tacit preoccupied reflection or two such as that it must be pleasant to render little services like that to youth beauty and genius he rather wondered how peter could afford them and that duck as he was miss ruth's benefactor was rather taken for granted Sick woes, known wobis softly sounded in his brain this community of interests or at least of relations quickened the flight of time so that he was still fresh when the sitting came to an end it was settled miriam should come back on the morrow to enable her artist to make the most of the few days of the parliamentary recess and just before she left him she asked then you will come to-night without fail i hate to lose an hour of you then i'll place you it will be my affair you're very kind he quite rose to it isn't it a simple matter for me to take a stall this week i suppose there to be had i'll send you a box said miriam you shall do it well there are plenty now why should i be lost all alone in the grandeur of a box can't you bring your friend my friend the lady you're engaged to unfortunately she's out of town Miriam looked at him in the grand manner. Does she leave you alone like that? She thought I should like it. I should be more free to paint. You see, I am. Yes, perhaps it's good for me. Have you got her portrait? Miriam asked. She doesn't like me to paint her. Really? Perhaps then she won't like you to paint me. That's why I want to be quick, laughed Nick. Before she knows it? She'll know it tomorrow. I shall write to her. The girl faced him again portentously. I see you're afraid of her, but she added, Mention my name, they'll give you the box at the office. Whether or no Nick were afraid of Mrs. Dallow, he still waved away this bounty, protesting that he would rather take a stall according to his want and pay for it, which led his guest to declare with a sudden flicker of passion that if he didn't do as she wished, she would never sit to him again ah then you have me he had to reply only i don't see why you should give me so many things what in the world have i given you why an idea and nick looked at his picture rather ruefully i don't mean to say though that i haven't let it fall and smashed it ah an idea that is a great thing for people in our line but you'll see me much better from the box and i'll send you gabriel nash she got into the hansom her host's servant had fetched for her, and as Nick turned back into his studio after watching her drive away, he laughed at the conception that they were in the same line. He did share in the event his box at the theatre with Nash, who talked during the entre-acts, not in the least about the performance or the performer, but about the possible greatness of the art of the portraitist its reach its range its fascination the magnificent examples it had left us in the past windows opened into history into psychology things that were among the most precious possessions of the human race he insisted above all on the interest the importance of this great peculiarity of it unlike most other forms it was a revelation of two realities the man whom it was the artist's conscious effort to reveal and the man, the interpreter, expressed in the very quality and temper of that effort. It offered a double vision, the strongest dose of life that art could give, the strongest dose of art that life could give. Nick Dormer had already become aware of having two states of mind when listening to this philosopher, one in which he laughed, doubted, sometimes even reprobated, failed to follow or accept, and another in which his old friend seemed to take the words out of his mouth, to utter for him, better and more completely, the very things he was on the point of saying. Gabriel saying them at such moments appeared to make them true, to set them up in the world, and to-night he said a good many, especially as to the happiness of cultivating one's own garden, growing there in stillness and freedom certain strong pure flowers that would bloom forever, bloom long after the rank weeds of the hour were withered and blown away. It was to keep Miriam Ruth in his eye, for his current work, that Nick had come to the play, and she dwelt there all the evening, being constantly on the stage. He was so occupied in watching her face, for he now saw pretty clearly what he should attempt to make of it, that he was conscious only in a secondary degree of the story she illustrated and had in regard to her acting a surprised sense that she was extraordinarily quiet he remembered her loudness her violence in paris at peter sherringham's her wild wails the first time at madame carr's compared with which her present manner was eminently temperate and modern nick dormer was not critical at the theatre he believed what he saw and had a pleasant sense of the inevitable therefore he wouldn't have guessed what gabriel nash had to tell him that for this young woman with her tragic cast and her peculiar attributes her present performance full of actuality of light fine indications and at moments of pointed touches of comedy was a rare tour de force it went on altogether in a register he hadn't supposed her to possess and in which as he said she didn't touch her capital doing it all with her wonderful little savings it conveyed to him that she was capable of almost anything in one of the intervals they went round to see her but for nick this purpose was partly defeated by the extravagant transports as they struck him of mrs ruth whom they found sitting with her daughter and who attacked him with a hundred questions about his dear mother and his charming sisters she had volumes to say about the day in paris when they had shown her the kindness she should never forget she abounded also in admiration of the portrait he had so cleverly begun declaring she was so eager to see it however little he might as yet have accomplished that she should do herself the honour to wait upon him in the morning when miriam came to sit i am acting for you to-night the girl more effectively said before he returned to his place no that's exactly what you're not doing nash interposed with one of his happy sagacities you've stopped acting you've reduced it to the least that will do you simply are you're just the visible image the picture on the wall it keeps you wonderfully in focus i've never seen you so beautiful miriam stared at this then it could be seen that she coloured what a luxury in life to have everything explained he's the great explainer she herself explained to nick he shook hands with her for good night well then we must give him lots to do she came to his studio in the morning but unaccompanied by her mother in allusion to whom she simply said mamma wished to come but i wouldn't let her they proceeded promptly to business the girl divested herself of her hat and coat taking the position already determined after they had worked more than an hour with much less talk than the day before nick being extremely absorbed and miriam wearing in silence an air of noble compunction for the burden imposed on him at the end of this period of patience pervaded by a holy calm our young lady suddenly got up and exclaimed i say i must see it with which quickly she stepped down from her place and came round to the canvas she had, at Nick's request, not looked at his work the day before. He fell back, glad to rest, and put down his palette and brushes. "'Ah, bien, c'est tapé!' she cried, as she stood before the easel. Nick was pleased with her ejaculation. He was even pleased with what he had done. He had had a long happy spurt, and felt excited and sanctioned. Miriam, retreating also a little, sank into a high-backed, old-fashioned chair that stood two or three yards from the picture, and reclined in it, her head on one side, looking at the rough resemblance. She made a remark or two about it, to which Nick replied, standing behind her, and after a moment leaning on the top of the chair. He was away from his work, and his eyes searched it with a shy fondness of hope they rose however as he presently became conscious that the door of the large room opposite him had opened without making a sound and that some one stood upon the threshold the person on the threshold was julia dallow as soon as he was aware nick wished he had posted a letter to her the night before he had written only that morning there was nevertheless genuine joy in the words with which he bounded toward her ah my dear julia what a jolly surprise for her unannounced descent spoke to him above all of an irresistible desire to see him again sooner than they had arranged she had taken a step forward but she had done no more stopping short at the sight of the strange woman so divested of visiting gear that she looked half undressed who lounged familiarly in the middle of the room, and over whom Nick had been still more familiarly hanging. Julia's eyes rested on this embodied unexpectedness, and as they did so she grew pale, so pale that Nick, observing it, instinctively looked back to see what Miriam had done to produce such an effect. She had done nothing at all, which was precisely what was embarrassing. She only stared at the intruder, motionless and superb she seemed somehow in easy possession of the place and even at that instant nick noted how handsome she looked so that he said to himself inaudibly in some deeper depth of consciousness how i should like to paint her that way mrs dallow's eyes moved for a single moment to her friend's then they turned away away from miriam ranging over the room i've got a sitter but you mustn't mind that we're taking a rest i'm delighted to see you he was all cordiality he closed the door of the studio behind her his servant was still at the outer door which was open and through which he saw julia's carriage drawn up this made her advance a little further but still she said nothing she dropped no answer even when nick went on with a sense of awkwardness when did you come back i hope nothing has gone wrong you come at a very interesting moment he continued aware as soon as he had spoken of something in his words that might have made her laugh she was far from laughing however she only managed to look neither at him nor at miriam and to say after a little when he had repeated his question about her return i came back this morning i came straight here and nothing's wrong i hope oh no everything's all right she returned very quickly and without expression she vouchsafed no explanation of her premature descent and took no notice of the seat nick offered her neither did she appear to hear him when he begged her not to look yet at the work on the easel it was in such a dreadful state he was conscious as he phrased it that this request gave to miriam's position directly in front of his canvas an air of privilege which her neglect to recognize in any way mrs dallow's entrance or her importance did nothing to correct but that mattered less if the appeal failed to reach julia's intelligence as he judged seeing presently how deeply she was agitated nothing mattered in face of the sense of danger taking possession of him after she had been in the room a few moments he wanted to say, What's the difficulty? Has anything happened? But he felt how little she would like him to utter words so intimate in presence of the person she had been rudely startled to find between them. He pronounced Miriam's name to her and her own to Miriam, but Julia's recognition of the ceremony was so slight as to be scarcely perceptible. Miriam had the air of waiting for something more before she herself made a sign, and as nothing more came she continued to say nothing and not to budge. Nick added a remark to the effect that Julia would remember to have had the pleasure of meeting her the year before, in Paris, that day at Old Peter's, to which Mrs. Dallow made answer, Ah, yes, without any qualification while she looked down at some rather rusty studies on panels ranged along the floor and resting against the base of the wall her discomposure was a clear pain to herself she had had a shock of extreme violence and nick saw that as miriam showed no symptom of offering to give up her sitting her stay would be of the briefest he wished that young woman would do something say she would go get up move about as it was she had the appearance of watching from her point of vantage the others upset he made a series of inquiries about julia's doings in the country to two or three of which she gave answers monosyllabic and scarcely comprehensible only turning her eyes round and round the room as in search of something she couldn't find of an escape of something that was not miriam at last she said it was at the end of a very few minutes i didn't come to stay when you're so busy i only looked in to see if you were here good-bye it's charming of you to have come i'm so glad you've seen for yourself how well i'm occupied nick replied not unconscious of how red he was this made mrs Dallow look at him while miriam considered them both julia's eyes had a strange light he had never seen before a flash of fear by which he was himself frightened of course i'll see you later he added in awkward and really misplaced gaiety while she reached the door which she opened herself getting out with no further attention to miriam i wrote to you this morning you've missed my letter he repeated behind her having already given her this information the door of the studio was very near that of the house but before she had reached the street the visitor's bell was set ringing the passage was narrow and she kept in advance of nick anticipating his motion to open the street door the bell was tinkling still when by the action of her own hand a gentleman on the step stood revealed ah my dear don't go nick heard pronounced in quick soft suasion and in the now familiar accents of gabriel nash the rectification followed more quickly still if that were a rectification which so little improved the matter i beg a thousand pardons i thought you were miriam gabriel gave way and julia the more sharply pursued her retreat her carriage a victoria with a pair of precious heated horses had taken a turn up the street but the coachman had already seen his mistress and was rapidly coming back he drew near not so fast however but that gabriel nash had time to accompany mrs dallow to the edge of the pavement with an apology for the freedom into which he had blundered. Nick was, at her other hand, waiting to put her into the carriage, and freshly disconcerted by the encounter with Nash, who somehow, as he stood making Julia an explanation that she didn't listen to, looked less eminent than usual, though not more conscious of difficulties. Our young man colored deeper and watched the footman spring down as the Victoria drove up. He heard Nash say something about the honour of having met Mrs. Dallow in Paris. Nick wanted him to go into the house. He damned inwardly his lack of delicacy. He desired a word with Julia alone, as much alone as the two annoying servants would allow. But Nash was not too much discouraged to say, You came for a glimpse of the great model. Doesn't she sit? That's what I wanted, too, this morning, just a look for a blessing on the day ah but you madam julia had sprung into her corner while he was still speaking and had flashed out to the coachman a home which of itself set the horses in motion the carriage went a few yards but while gabriel with an undiscouraged bow turned away nick dormer his hand on the edge of the hood moved with it you don't like it but i'll explain he tried to say for its occupant alone explain what she asked still very pale and grave but in a voice that showed nothing she was thinking of the servants she could think of them even then oh it's all right i'll come in at five nick returned gallantly jocular while she was whirled away gabriel had gone into the studio and nick found him standing in admiration before miriam who had resumed the position in which she was sitting lord she's good to-day isn't she good to-day he broke out seizing their host by the arm to give him a particular view miriam looked indeed still handsomer than before and she had taken up her attitude again with a splendid sphinx-like air of being capable of keeping it for ever nick said nothing but went back to work with a tingle of confusion which began to act after he had resumed his palate as a sharp a delightful stimulus miriam spoke never a word but she was doubly grand and for more than an hour till nick exhausted declared he must stop the industrial silence was broken only by the desultory discourse of their friend End of chapter twenty six